Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we share the best of The Kindness Project over the years, part one. I'm joined by Gail, who I can only describe with one word. I just haven't worked out what one yet. It's Charlotte Dames. <laughs> and I am joined by the rider of children's bikes, <laughs> Oh, I love a kid's bike. Oh, honestly, genuinely. Riding a kid's bike is one of the things that all adults should do. One, one thing I would suggest, though. Don't, don't break it. Don't, don't actually sit on it, because that's always a bad move. But also... Um, uh, just make it a bike probably designed for a little older than six because those style of bikes are not really designed for a six foot three stocky gentleman like me to, to, to ride. But but you had to go Charlotte, didn't you? You had to go with Sophie's bike. Didn't I? Oh, I, I just pushed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just give it give it a little push, yeah? Yeah. And um, uh, what's the... Have you ever ridden any other sort of vehicles designed for kids? you ever been on a scooter or you ever been on Yeah, a... when I was younger. No, I know, when you <laughs> was a child, I'm talking about more recently. Um, well, the, the boys next door, they had a, they had a flicker um, and neither of them wanted to get on it. So yeah. mum was like, you had one when, uh, a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, I can't like, show them. And neither of them wanted to get on. So I got on and started riding up and down the street. So, so I, I when I was writing these introductions, I was trying to work out the best word to describe you, and I just couldn't whittle it down to one word. So I, I decided that I just haven't worked out that word yet. Um, but the question of the podcast let's get let get let's get this out the way really early. Cool. If you could remove one word. From the English d- dictionary. Sorry, should we do the introduction properly? Question of the podcast. Can I have a go this time? Go on then. Question of the podcast. So Charlotte left us for a while, and the bloke from the X Factor came in and, <laughs> and did that. Did that actual um, introduction? I don't know if you noticed that or not. Um, question of the podcast. This podcast is. If you could remove one word at the English language, and I don't want you to include swear words, offensive words, or rude words, what what one word would you remove? What what was that one word that was a slang term, and they put it in the actual English dictionary? It's loads. Oh, I don't know. It's just they add they add new they add new slang words to the Oxford English Dictionary every year because don't they have a little thing on the news where they turn around and go, oh, we've added, oh, yeah, I don't know, selfies or we've added um, uh, smiley faces or, you know, they add, they they add... There's a bit at some, so there's a bit at the back of some dictionaries and it's got, um, so hopefully everyone knows the difference between emojis and emoticons. So emojis are the actual... Educators, Charlotte. Uh, emojis are the actual ones that you just click and you send it, and that's that's it. But emoticons are the one where you use punctuation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at the back of some dictionaries, some of the ones at school, they have an emoticon translator. You're joking. No, I'm not. In a paper dictionary, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but a lot a lot of apps now. I know Facebook do it. Turn. 
emoticons into, into emojis. emojis. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly prefer emo- emo- uh, emoticons. They take much more effort. Fine. And you like a bit more effort when it comes to your English, don't you? Yes. Okay, so unofficial question of the podcast then. So the official question is, what English word would you you remove from use? The the emoticon dictionary, yeah. So you'd get rid of all emoticons? No, I'd just get rid of the dictionary. Don't see the... I think emojis and emoticons are quite self-explanatory. Okay, okay. I mean, some of them are. But if you just put them in a weird string, they're not... Yeah. Like sometimes when I get bored, I kind of go into my emoji section and I send my friend a bunch of unicorns. See, because she likes unicorns. See, so. I look. I love a, I love a bit of text, right? I love. I love. I love a bit of tech. Uh, I love how technology is changing language, and developing, and developing, and the ways we communicate are changing. One thing I've. One thing, and this is going to make me sound really old, and I'm not. But one, am I? Oh, <laughs> difference of opinion on the between the podcast hosts. Um, but one of the things that that worries me a little bit is how you see. See, I'd write an email and, and put like probably be over verbose and use sort of more words than I need to. Yeah. And actually, the trend is is away from that to shorten words, keep it really simple. But I, I think there's a beauty in, in well-constructed words. words, right? Yeah. There's, a, uh, there's beauty in a well-constructed sentence. I mean, like, mm. like sort of uh, Bram Stoker or Mary Shelley or or Edgar Allan Poe or Stephen mm. King even didn't turn around and go, oh, no, actually, I'm not going to write a... 60,000-word 60, 60, novel, I'll just write it in emoticons <laughs> and let everybody read it like that. Nobody did that, did they? No. They're uh, the finest author... I'm, I'm on a bit of a rant now, Charlotte. I'll, I'll start talking about Nick Cage in a minute. <laughs> the finest authors in the world actually know the power of using both simple and complex language to convey their, their story. Yeah, I, I kind of want to be like those kind of people yeah. someday. Cause I, I Do you think culture's moving in the, in the other direction? I think, in a way, it's creating its own individual language. But yeah. if it's... Yeah. A la- if, if it's... Because obviously we've got programming, and that's its own... It, that's a language in itself. Yeah. But we've got... The but you, langu- think, you think the language of communication's changing? Yeah, obviously... There's always going to be a language of communication that the older generations. Not talking about you, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, uh, that the older generations aren't going to understand or wrap their head around as easily okay. as the younger generations who have grown into it yeah. or have been there when it. But let me ask blooms. you a question, right? As a lover of books and a lover of uh, like Agatha Christie, for example, oh, I love if if. Murder on the Orient Express, or and then they were none. Oh. Had smiley faces. It would it make it better? Because <laughs> I'm thinking no. I think if it had smiley faces in, it would be less of a serious story. Like uh, um, about, Murder on the Orient Express, someone gets kidnapped. A smiley face. Murder on the Orient Express, <laughs> smiley face, and then there were none. Unicorn. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, just yeah. it just it yeah, just doesn't uh, work. Yeah, like. Do you, do you, you read the poem and at the bottom there's just an emoticon it goes yeah. smiley face yeah, yeah. smiley face thumbs up <laughs> um, skull and crossbones and, that, and then <laughs> and uh, then everyone assumes uh, they're going to die and then, and then that's it I mean there is a there is a opportunity to write a murder mystery novel 
using Emoticons, that language. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I you think... could write someone's name and just put a skull and crossbones, and oh. we'd, we'd all assume they Ooh. were dead. I, I, I tell you what, I, I wonder if like somebody like Mark Billingham could write something like that. I think he'd be really good at that. I might so, give it a crack. You, you might give it a crack. You, you like uh, you like writing murder mystery novels, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I I tend to not. Well, I say I tend to not write murder mystery. I tend to write murder novels, but not the mystery element. Like, gotcha. people die, but mm. nobody figures out how it happens. So on that cheerful note, just as a reminder, this is a uh, podcast about kindness. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, appreciating all sorts of art, including gothic, is something that, that we can all do. However... What we haven't talked about up to yet is how you can get in touch. Oh, so one 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 of the things we want to do is um, talk about uh, the question of the podcast. So our question of the podcast, as a reminder, if you could remove one word from the English language, what would it be? And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at. Oh, uh, all our kindness. So. So we've been talking over the last few weeks about how you pronounce holla. See, I I say holla, and then Charlotte says it holla. I do not say it that low. Now, now we're we're having this dis- dispute dispute around whether it's a, a silent H or quite a pronunciated H, and maybe you can help us out. Is it? Ola, or is it? It's Ola. Ola, or is it Hola? So no, uh, you, you say it too hard. It's like Hola. It's like not there, but it's there. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so you can get in touch with us at H O L A Hola Kindness uh, on Twitter. You can email us at Hola at thekindnessproject.co.uk. Or alternatively, you can visit our website because we've got Facebook groups and show notes and all that sort of stuff on there. Every single one of our podcasts comes with show notes about what we've talked about, links to areas that you might want to understand a bit more about, and and just generally loads of useful stuff Mm. that will help us share some of the more pertinent kindness stories. But in addition to that, we want your stories of kindness. It's really important that you let us know how kind you are, how kind your communities are, but also individual stories of people we should speak to who are really, really good at thinking of others and being considerate. So we we want to hear those stories. And you can also get in touch with either of us, at our individual Twitters, um, Charlotte J Dames, Charlotte C H A R L O T T E J J Dames D A E M S. Alternatively, you can get in touch with me at Chris C H R I S Dames D A E M S. Although I may change it to Holla, Chris, <laughs> but I haven't decided that yet, so use the old one for now. Don't forget your own name, though. Don't forget your own name. <laughs> um, good piece of advice. Good piece of advice. Um, regardless of your age, be it 14 or 40, don't forget your own name. It's quite useful remembering your own name. You might want to wear a name tag around, just say, like, yep, that's my name. All, at all times, even in bed. Yep. Just go, hello, my name is Chris Dames, would be fantastically useful. And then when you wake up in the morning, it's right there, oh, I'm Chris Dames. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm and, and on that rather bizarre note, <laughs> should we get on with the show? Yes. Whoa, 
welcome, my friends, to another episode of The Kindness Project. In my eyeline, I've got a lady who is creeping very quietly, but not chopping quietly enough. It's uh, it's my darling wife, Cassie Dames. Hello, Cassie. Hi. And I'm also joined by a girl whose idea of discouragement is tapping you twice and giving you a dirty look. It's Charlotte Dames. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, I'm joined by... By a man. By what? <laughs> with a podcasting plan. Cause he's always got it laid out for us, isn't he? It's Chris James. That really went off trail. Uh, I've got yeah. I've got my word document. I've got my questions of the yeah. podcast. I've got the audacity. I'm, I'm organised. We have now been doing this for a hundred plus episodes. I should know what I'm doing, shouldn't I? Really? Shouldn't I? So should I, but don't mean I do. <laughs> yeah, we just, I mean... Turn up with a new random thought every week. Yeah, this week you came along singing, co- singing Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I mean, why has Cotton Eye Joe got into your head? Um, You asked me for a question of the podcast, and in my head, the first question that comes up in my head is the two lines from the two questions from the end of the chorus from Cotton Eye Joe yeah so if listeners if you can answer <laughs> any of the questions from Cotton Eye Joe where did you come from where did, and you, where go? did you go where did you come from Cotton, Cotton Eye, Eye Joe, Joe. <laughs> answers on a postcard I mean they are mysteries aren't they <laughs> where did Cotton Eye Joe it actually come from it always makes me wonder like yeah. who the hell is Cotton Eye Joe <laughs> do you always swear about Cotton Eye Joe <laughs> Where the flip is Cotton Eye Joe? Who is he? I don't, I don't know. Who, who is he? Who is he? Well, not where is he and where did you come from, but who is he as well? Who? What's he all about? What's what, his agenda? What is a Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> <laughs> who is Joe and a wide, is his one eye made of cotton? Maybe he's know. got an eye patch made of cotton. Maybe, maybe. Um, which brings <laughs> us on, funnily enough, to... And this wasn't a intentional link but um, this week's question in the podcast is what would your pirate name be and maybe your pirate name would be Cotton Eye Joe Cotton Eye Jane Cotton Eye Jane <laughs> I'd be Cotton Eye Ellen <laughs> why not Cotton Eye Chris Cotton Eye Chris that's it where did you come from Cotton Eye Chris I don't know taking the no let's not even go there let's not even go there um, so what would your actual it wouldn't be Cotton Eye Sue or whatever you said <laughs> what would your actual pirate name be um, I don't know I feel like I don't know would I be a pirate or would I be a privateer <coughs> A privateer? Why would you? What's a privateer? What's a private? Okay, so they're basically pirates, <coughs> but legal. Oh no, that's boring. No, no, but basically, it was you know Queen Elizabeth. She had all these men, and they were all trying to impress her because they wanted to be in favour with the queen. So they used to go and pillage Spanish ships and burn them to pieces. But that was legal, based on English law, right? And because the queen wanted it. She, he, they used to give them like a fra- uh, They used to give the crown a fraction of the money, and in return, none of the other countries could prosecute the pirate ship. Uh, the privateer ships. About uh, Spain? Uh, what would no. Spain do? Spain couldn't Spain... do anything because they were under English protection. So oh, right. unless they wanted to attack England, which they did eventually try, the Spanish Armada, um, they couldn't do it. But the Spanish Armada failed because of stuff like the singeing of the king's beard, which was a privateer's doing. Yeah. You know, Francis Drake. You know, you know who, what privateer did that? I've heard. 
Cotton Eye Joe. He, it, it was, was Francis Drake. No, it wasn't. It was, they, we all they, know it. It was Francis Drake. They all blamed Francis Drake, but actually it was Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, it was Cotton Eye Joe that went and set the harbours on fire. Where did you come from? Where did you go? I went to Singer Beard. My name's Cotton Eye Joe. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's obvious. If people would like to... I mean, there, there must be a method behind working out what your pirate name is. There must be yeah. some sort of, of those... pirate name generators online or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Probably. I've never done it. So uh, so we are looking forward to hearing your pirate names. But in the meantime, here's how you get in touch with us. Uh, we have a Twitter. Um, at On A Kindness. At, where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. Kindness Eye I, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> where did you come from where did you go I was acting a, I, was, I was enacting an, a, 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 an act of kindness my name's Cotton Eye Joe <laughs> um, we were Facebook and we're under the kindness project I know Facebook completely revolutionary we should buy shares <laughs> probably too late to be honest I think we've missed that by about 10 years um, so Facebook's there and you can should we buy shares in Google is it too, too late, late for that. too late too late no I sell the I hear they're selling like wildfire What's the next like revolutionary tech trend we could buy shares in? Amazon. <laughs> no, no, Amazon's a bit more mature. Yeah. Uh, don't I don't know. We don't stay in touch with any of this sort of stuff. We should because we're quite tech savvy. Podcast, no. no Podcasts pod, don't pod, make money. Podcasts are quite old now. Podcasts don't make money. Yeah, well, some do. Some, some of the sponsors. Oh, yeah, like- Gimlet Media, they make so much money because they have so many Patreon supporters. Yeah, well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should ask for Patreon supporters. Where would the money go, though? To charity. Yeah, we give it away. It's not like we need it. Where would, where would the money go to? Cotton Eye Joe. I want to start a charity called the Cotton Eye Joe Foundation and um, uh, give, give all the money to Cotton Eye Joe. And the only reason for the Cotton Eye Joe Foundation is to work out where did he come from, where did he go. I want to do research <laughs> into Cotton Eye Joe. No, but like, what kind of people would you associate with the... the what kind of people would we be helping with the Cotton Eye Joe um, I was going to say religion. People, <laughs> the Cotton Eye Joe cult. The people, Wouldn't be the first one I started. The people we'd be helping, if we found out the answer to where would you come from, where, where, where did you come from, where did you go, is people like you who wake up at two o'clock in the morning going, where did Cotton Eye Joe go? It wasn't two, it was one thirty-two. <laughs> well, look at their... Look at their Mobiles and go. It's one thirty-two in the morning. What am I worried about? Where the heck Can't is I Where's Can't I Joe gone? No, anyway. you never know. It could be like a charity to find lost family members or something. Called Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, where did he come from? Where did he go? Yeah. <laughs> lost people. <laughs> the Cotton Eye Joe Foundation. Uh, so we can find lost people. Where did you go? Come from? Where did you go? Anyway, shall we crack on with the show? Dave's mentioned some silver linings. Mental health charity, the Blurred Line Group, has set up the Chit Chat service to provide support for those who are lonely in their homes, particularly those in, those in vulnerable health and the over 70s. It aims to encourage more casual conversations during these isolated times and can also help isolated people with food and household supplies, someone to do their shopping and people to check in on them to make sure they're okay. It's available 9am to 9pm every day and is manned by volunteers. If you're in that 
segment and you are feeling isolated, you can just give them a call. Uh, their number is 0333 002 003. And they're on Twitter at Chit Chat Brand. Chit Chat Brand. I like their Twitter handle. It's a good one. Is, is that a Twitter handle or an Instagram handle? I don't know. I don't know. We'll soon find out. Do you want to do the next one? It's probably Twitter. Go on oh, Okay. The coastal city of Aris. <laughs> I assume that's how it's... I only give you the ones that are difficult to pronounce. Do you know that? Oh, because I refuse to do them usually. The coastal city of Aris in Denmark... Uh, ...has launched a new concert series where fans drive up to the venue and remain safely isolated in their cars. Liveforlivemusic.com And we all need a good laugh to cheer us up at www.nextupcomedy.com uh, supporting comedians who can't work at the moment by streaming stand-up shows online for a small fee comedy stars like Andy Parsons Ed Byrne Gina Yashere Hal Crutton and Andrew Maxwell are all getting involved so that sounds really really good and we've and, been tagged in it again and today's silver linings are staying at home is encouraging bands and musicians all over the world to entertain us online new lockdown versions of old songs were appearing and making it smile uh, i hope you're enjoying them too now i don't know about you but music i'm really loving like sort of i heard you listen to sleeping at last this morning i know that i was doing some writing so that was my that was my sort of just background music you know what i've, I've been loving as well weirdly because i've been writing over the like, next couple of days for the kindness project book out the nowhere probably in a couple of years you know that rainforest music you get no, you're not not a fan. No. I'm loving that. At the it minute. makes me need to use the toilet. <laughs> well, constantly. Um, but yeah, so so that rainforest. What do you listen to when you're working, Chris? Oh, I just ask Alexa to play what I fancy on the day. Yeah. So, so the weird thing is, if I'm listening to. If I'm, the problem is, if I'm listening to music that I'm really into, I get distracted by the music. Do you? So I need, I need like something in the background that like is, is just there. Do you know what I mean? So, so we're, we're very different types of working music people. Go on, then. What working music do you like, got? I, I get like stuff that I really get into, and I'm sitting there going like this. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you work screaming like a banshee? <laughs> Oh, sorry, you go like that, yeah. Then she screams a high pitch. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So what what kind of music you <laughs> you're gonna go back to seventies rock, can't you? Yes. Yeah. Nothing wrong with like anything like that. So go on, you what's your what's your what's on your working music playlist? Um, so like stuff like I don't know if it's seventies rock, but like. The Blue Oyster Cup, is that 70s yeah. rock? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Kansas and... Yeah. What's on your uh, working play? What mu- what sounds, what music comes up that you really enjoy, Chris? Me? Well, I like all the soul stuff, really, Chris. And Tambla Motown. Oh. And I like oh, so many different uh, music. I love um, Andrea Pacelli. Yeah. I often listen to him. There's also, I like... All music, a yeah. bit like you guys, really. Yeah. So, unofficial question of the podcast number two is what's on your working music playlist? So, when you're working from home, what have you got on your playlist? I, I have that... this really weird study playlist, and it's made up of songs that remind me of things I need to be studying. <laughs> well, I don't, don't need to be studying them anymore, obviously, yeah. but like. I had a playlist and it was all like the Macbeth soundtrack, Jekyll and Hyde musical. Yep. That's a good musical, by the way. 
Um, you, yeah, you like a lot of musicals. I like a lot of don't. musicals. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's got like, we didn't stop the fire because obviously yeah. I was doing history and we did the Cold War. Yeah. So I had two tribes and we didn't start oh, the fire. Two tribes. Frankie goes to Hollywood. That yeah. is amazing. And I had so like I loads of, um, they might be giants because they do some science songs yeah. that are quite funky and easy to remember some of the stuff for science. If you didn't know, Charlotte was a bit of a geek. You do now. <sighs> Um, I thought it was obvious. <laughs> um, so, what I'm going to do, that's Dave Fuller's like, Sunday Silver Linings. Thank you for that. And we're looking forward to having Dave on the show next week. Today's Silver Linings is all about poems. A well-written poem, whether it rhymes or not, can have a huge impact on how we think and feel. Here's a couple I found over the last few days that certainly made me think. Okay. What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw. So it finally focuses us to grow. Oh, I think that's supposed to say forces. Okay. They finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awaking us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change, declare change, work for change, become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 2020 isn't cancelled, but rather the most important year of them all. I love that. And one of, one of the big things about that is um, that... And we had this conversation with the guys from Kindness.org yesterday, didn't we? Mm-hmm. That, desire, that pushed together as opposed to apart. And there are some forces in the world that are trying to put pushes apart. There's no doubt in that. Um, and there are some people who believe the world is a worse place and believe that we need to f- fight each other to, to get anything achieved. I don't believe that. No. I believe I believe that actually working together is always going to be better than, than trying to fight. Because let's be honest, and, and if we were having a conversation, you talk about advice, if you don't like, trust and respect the p- respect the person who's trying to explain their point of view how likely are you to very unlikely I haven't finished the question yet take their advice how likely are you to eat a cheese sandwich what was the answer <laughs> very unlikely, I, very don't, unlikely. I don't like plain cheese sandwiches All right. pickle <laughs> cucumber <laughs> maybe okay let me, an oyster I know you like oysters <laughs> but, but, that, but that sense of you know, working together is something we we need to, to get a bit closer to. And despite what we hear on the news, there are... I mean, I've seen amazing examples of kindness during lockdown, and it's been brilliant. Is, is that poem one you want to read aloud? It is. You have open I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you to do the next one. The next one is called When This Is Over. When this is over, may we never again take for granted. A handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversations with neighbours, a crowded theatre... Friday night out, the waste of the taste of communion, a routine checkup, the school rush each morning, coffee with a friend, the stadium roaring, each deep breath, a boring Tuesday, life itself. When this ends, may we find that we have become more like the people we wanted to be, we were called to be, we hoped to be, and may we stay that way, better for each other because of the worst. Um, so that I mean, before before you. Uh, mentioned the other news the one that i've been thinking about um quite a lot is uh an old classic that we talked about the other mm. day because we both quite like poetry don't we yes and do you remember that uh, have we talked about in the podcast the before spoken word the, poetry, the, the, the no. poetry jam at comic garden 
That was amazing, wasn't it? We have to do another one. Yeah. You have to get involved this time, though. I will. I'm going to stand and produce yeah. a poetry. But my, my, one of my fa- all-time favourite poems, and I think one that's pertinent for now, is a poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. Um, if you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired of waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise, no fear of that. If you can make dream but not make dream, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can make with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on where there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, Yours is the earth and everything in it, which and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Clearly that end doesn't work when I'm talking to you. You will be a woman, my daughter. <laughs> but that I love. That that is probably one of my favourite poems, apart from the quite depressing World War One poetry like, I like, like Wilfred Owen, but probably not appropriate for the kindness project. I um, thought you were going to mention the poem about the man who was drowning when you said depressing. I was like... Uh, no, Spike Milligan. Spike Milligan is always welcome on the Kindness Project. We might we might bring a bit of Spike Milligan poetry into our lives uh, in, a, in a future edition. Do you want to carry on with uh, that? Yeah, you just, you just interrupted me with your Sorry. own poem. I'm just... <laughs> not miffed. No. Sorry, okay. sub-question of the po- podcast. What's your favourite poem? That nice. might be our next question of the podcast. Okay. The roaming poet. Oh, I've just been. Oh, sorry. The the monitor, the yeah. the podcast monitors come along. Go on. The roaming poets have launched Telepoem Tuesday to encourage people to share a poem with someone else over the phone. The chari- the charity Save the Children is releasing poems written by children as we approach three months since the pandemic was officially announced. Uh, there's today's one as well, but have we got time for today's one, Dad? Oh, sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just seeing a, a little, um, a little clip from somebody I used to, I used to know. Hello, Brian. Thanks for making a, a comment. I do remember you actually. I hope you're doing well. Um, uh, but yeah. So day fours don't silver linings. Yes, you want to carry yes, on? Yes, yes. Uh, Kenton Lee, founder of Because International, an organisation dedicated to the idea of changing the world through. Pat- practical compassion has invented the shoe that grows it's made from hard wearing material and can expand by up to five sizes children in the poorest parts of the world often don't have footwear and this is changing their lives love it Vienna is set to reward those who get around the city on so, foot so can we just give them a bit of a shout out because that idea is amazing yeah right so if you're watching mate can we try and get the guys from Because International on the podcast 
Should do that. Yep, okay. Vienna is set to reward those who get around the city on foot, by bicycle, or by public transport instead of using their cars. The Australian... Austrian. Hmm. Australian capital. You're, um... I think you're uh, confusing strudel with uh, didgeridoos. <laughs> you're confusing boomerangs with uh, baked goods. Sorry, man. I don't know what, what, the, what the Austrians famous for. I don't know. The Austrian capital is trialling a smartphone app that uses motion tracking to measure the distance covered and the CO2 saving made. Yeah. When users have saved 20 kilograms of CO2, the equivalent of about two weeks of walking, cycling, or using public transport, they receive one culture token. Oh, my socks are falling apart. <laughs> uh, that's it. We're done. Tokens can be exchanged for free tickets to cultural venues. Oh, it does say that. That, yeah. that is... Uh, I really like the idea of... Um, particularly cities rewarding people for um, more ethical environmental behaviour. Yes. Really uh, good. Yes. So um, I know I know you talk a lot about the power of not only having amazing an amazing website with bees on. Russell, you're listening. Um, uh, <laughs> you talk about the power of storytelling quite a lot. So tell yeah. me about um, tell me about how you think storytelling is important um, in terms of in terms of doing good work. Well, I think that it, it, storytelling stems from journaling. So um, you know, having so many emotions myself, I had to let those emotions out and uh, you know out of out of my head and on paper. And so I've been journaling all my life. And so it's interesting how, you know, what I feel today, not necessarily is what I felt a few, you know, months before, a few years before, because we're evolving. So so I decided to put together, you know, my my journals, you know, of evolution and really see what I could come up as far as telling stories. And, you know, I decided, like I said, I never was a social media person. I never really, I always did work behind the scenes because I didn't, I never really cared about, you know, letting people know what I was doing. But, you know, there was a point where I decided, wow, you know, I've been doing so much work nonprofit wise that I think it's it will be really cool to put together all of my experiences and start telling stories and so I started writing articles um, these articles have been published and I started writing books too so I met my I'm completing my third book oh, and um, yeah and then I I have a couple of agents interested I just attended the um, uh, Writer's Digest pitch slam in New York the virtual thing, obviously. And, um, and so basically I decided to tell stories about my experiences around, you know, with, mm. not just with working with nonprofits. And that actually, actually, I think that's really important because the more stories we can get out there with people doing amazing work in the world, it's one of the reasons we run the podcast. Um, one of the reasons uh, we run it is because I think if we can share more stories of people doing positive things, it sort of then counteracts all the negative stuff you hear, doesn't it? Yeah. It's quite important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that we, you know, especially going through certain situations like traveling to third world countries or, or, um, well, impoverished countries that put it this way, put it this way, because I, in a lot of ways, I think we are more third world than they are. But anyway, um, I think that um, it's important to really, um, 
you know, show what's, what, what a lot of these people have done to come out of their darkness, how they've coped. And this is what my books are about. They're about tales of transformation. Journey, so journey, around the world. And uh, so one book, for instance, is on my experience with the orphanage, working at the orphanage. The other one was, is a book on my experience with what I created after here in Sicily. Another book um, is going to be on um, the power of sponsorship because, for instance, I've been sponsoring 40 kids over 17 years with Plan USA, and I was thinking, well, why not talk to Plan USA and see if we, they want to write a book together on yeah. how sponsorship has changed the lives of the previously Oh, I love that people. idea, yeah, because you can tell the stories of the impact of that sponsorship yeah. using the individuals who have been sponsored so yeah. um so we want to go on to the next question but charlotte is uh has got a college lesson in about yeah. 10 minutes so she's going to need to leave the interview okay but, um uh, <laughs> drop mic drop charlotte out um, <laughs> charlotte, it was very nice meeting you do you want to do, want to do the next question right, right, right. you go okay i'm gonna ask the next question it's not about check. websites or bees is it Oh, it should be. Okay. Okay, so you've already spoken about how you started doing your non-profit work yeah. with people, but could you tell us about how you got into doing non-profit work with animals? Yeah, um, again, even that is something that stems from the, you know, the empathy and all of that. So it's almost like it's not just, I don't have, I've never just had empathy towards people. It's like towards any, anything that is really living, like any living creature. creature. So, and um, I found myself one year in, you know, vacationing in Sicily and Sicily is uh, a place where the concentration of strays ranks probably as the highest in Europe. So you have Romania, you have Sicily. People come here for the beauty, for the food, for the beaches, the archaeology and everything, but they don't really see what is going on. And, you know, I almost, it's almost like I see, you know, I, I almost, I go beyond like what, you know, yeah. just the certain I think that's important, isn't it? You know that yeah. the, the point the point you made, like sort of you could go to all of these countries and just see what the tourists see, but you just you need to sort of dig a bit deeper to understand what's actually going on for yeah. For, yeah. For, for the humans that live there and the animals. Yeah, and I, f I feel that, um, you know, in a way, the world is really ruled by people, you know, but we're also, we're also sharing this, this beautiful earth with billions of animals. And yeah, I think, well, they're not, they don't have a voice. It's, so it's almost like giving voice to the voiceless. And so I decided, I said, well, I had already sold a bunch of my, most of my possessions. And so I said, well, how about, you know, I invest in, and do this and um and so my idea is to really so I opened an animal sanctuary and right. um, in Sicily and it was a culmination of of working with many different places organizations and I thought well why not open my own and um and when and was that when was that opened so we opened last year and um obviously uh COVID hit this yeah. year in February so um so it's been very challenging 
but we have been moving forward you know nonetheless we're you know we've been working with a consultant um who in and you know we're in touch with foundations worldwide and we're um i've written articles i wrote a book on this experience and so i've been on a couple of podcasts and so it's been um challenging because the you know i noticed that when people used to uh donate you know previously in the previous years this year it's been very much um different you know it's been more interesting because we uh again we we do some charity work locally and i speak to loads of charities through trying to tell the stories on the podcast and the challenge you've got for a lot of charities at the minute is typically their fundraising may come from events and there's right. just been no events is there it's just been a different yeah. environment yeah and that's the other thing you cannot have events so you can host, you cannot host an event uh, of any sorts um and then um you know we also have so we, we are in 17 acres and we have a beautiful property that you know we did rent out a bit to tourists this year but that was the whole point to you know with you know, all the proceeds, the proceeds would, would go oh, back to, into, the, to yeah. sterilizing the animals, the strays. But what animals have you got on the, on the, uh, on the site? So at the sanctuary right now, we have, um, we have donkeys, we have um, ostrich that just laid an egg yesterday, which was ridiculously huge. And uh, we have many birds and we have, um, we're, we're having uh, another donkey coming and there's a possibility to have more, um, um, to uh, rescue uh, 11 horses from the slaughterhouse but the problem is they cannot transport the horses right now because okay. you know we're we're stuck in our own towns you cannot leave your town unless you know it's a so are these, are these um animals just from sicily or from italy more generally or where where do you rescue animals from so we rescue the animals locally, um, and obviously they're all locally rescued. And then again, the proceeds from uh, the air, you know, the farmhouse, so the Airbnb and the you know the renting and the um, we're we're also planning on having a petting farm and having a horse therapy center. All the proceeds will go to the sterilizations of the local strays, but they're all local animals because there's an overpopulation of all sorts of animals. And so, but it's also to, to raise the awareness because again, it's a beautiful area. We're in an area with eight different UNESCO sites. It's incredibly beautiful. I've never been to Sicily. I've done a lot of it. Really? I've never been yeah. to Sicily. Yeah. Is that, is that, I mean, is that, is that where you're from originally or is it? No, I'm originally from Milan. Right. So you said that. Born. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I love it. I've always loved the South more because I love warmer temperatures. And um, again, my background is in archaeology. So there's a lot of archaeology down here. 
Yeah. And people are warmer. People are really, you know, they're jolly and happy. You know, it's just it's just a different type to of. To be honest, a warmer temperature sounds ideal right now. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just outside cold London. So so yeah, Sicily Sicily sounds sounds interesting. Um, Charlotte's written the next question, but I want to change it a little bit. Charlotte Charlotte had a question about because of your travel, we wanted to understand where you felt was the most beautiful. But I, I actually think there's a bit more of an interesting question um, uh, underlying that. And feel free to answer both or either. Okay. Uh, number one, where's the most beautiful place you visited? But where's the place you visited that allowed you to learn the most about yourself? Wow, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, the probably the most beautiful place, the most unusually beautiful place uh, that I've seen is, um, well, all of Africa. I love Africa. I'm re- I've always been drawn to Africa. And when I first visited, I was like, oh, wow, amazing. Um, Kenya is amazing, um, Zimbabwe is amazing, tons of beautiful places down there. My most, the most beautifully unique place I would say was Namibia, um, which is north, uh, northwest of South Africa. And it was just incredibly beautiful. I really, really loved it. You know, they have the tallest sand dunes in the world and then we climbed up and it was just incredibly beautiful. Um, and then the place, there have been many places that have taught a lot, have taught me a lot about myself. I would say, um, Los Angeles has taught me a lot about myself, what I want and what I don't want. Yeah. Um, sometimes being in a place isn't about what you want. It's about realizing that you don't belong there, right? Yes. And I kind of felt, I, I just lived there for a little under two years and then I, I lived in Hollywood and then a little bit um, also in uh, near the coast, but I really, I, it did not resonate with me at all. And I felt like lying in a cage to, I just wanted to get out. And um, so it really taught me a lot about myself, um, about what counts in life, what is important, human connection, because I never felt human connection <laughs> in many places, uh, not just LA, but many places in the US and a lot of places in Europe as well. Why, why do you think um, that is? Mm, too much, uh, I would say there's too much uh, stress on um the superficial too much stress yeah. on what i own what i have and yeah. you know without really understanding and realizing that it's not something that you're going to uh, bring with you you know one day and it's yeah. not it's not necessarily i'm not saying that money isn't important it is because you know if you want to you know it, it it's something that you know, helps us to move forward and, you know, obviously, but it's not, it shouldn't be the priority. I mean, it's an interesting one because I, my day job is a financial advisor. I run a financial planning business and Mm -hmm. a lot of our, a lot of our conversations with our clients are money is a tool to allow you to do stuff. Um, uh, But it doesn't make you happy. Um, And um, what you should be doing is, 
focusing on using the money as a tool to live the life that's most meaningful for you. If I'm honest, your story is is a really good example of that, isn't it? You know, you've you've sold up, you've said, this isn't making me happy anymore. I need to find what really, what really is going to drive and motivate me. And you've done it. Yeah, and I, I really think that, you know, it's not just using the money for yourself, if you have the money, or if you have a little bit of resources, it's, 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 about, sharing. it's about sharing, and it's about, you know, helping those who cannot help themselves, giving voice to those who don't have any voice. And, you there's, know, a, there's, a, there's a really good book, I don't know if you've read it, um, but I'd certainly recommend it. It's called Happy Money. Um, and it talks about the uses, and it's written by a social psychologist, but it talks about how you could potentially use your money to make you happier. And one of the things that she genuinely, based on research, recommends people do is just, same same as you, you've done, consider giving it away to make yourself happier and the the experiment she did was a really interesting one so she stood out in the streets of i can't remember what city it was i think it might have been chicago she's based but stood out on the streets of chicago and um handed out starbucks cards and said like go and get yourself it's only like five dollars or whatever but go and get yourself coffee Um, or you can choose to give it like get a coffee and give it to somebody else. Yeah. And then tested how happy people felt after just doing doing that. Yeah. And the people who decided to buy something for somebody else were happier than the ones who bought the coffee for themselves. It's an interesting experiment, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a completely different type of happy. It's a happy that is lasting. It's not just something, oh, you know, you know, when you're buying for instance a phone, you know, buy a cell phone. It lasts a couple of years, then you buy a new one, and then you buy another one. And then whereas when you do something this meaningful, not only you're doing it for them, you also create a relationship with them that lasts forever. Yeah. And um and that's what is really uh the the that different type of beautiful. Yeah, Um, I love it. And uh, for instance, even at the the orphanage, you know, I met, made friends with one of the older kids, and he was 21 at the time, no, 20 at the time. And I helped him to go to college. And so he just graduated, and he's um, he's getting his diploma next month. And um, you know, I paid for his college. He's, he's an electrical engineer right now, and he grew up in an orphanage. So. I have an amazing relationship with him and that makes me so happy. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, because he's happy. He calls his life. Yeah. He calls me on WhatsApp and he just said yesterday, can I call you mom? I said, for sure. You know, I'm so happy that you're happy. And, uh, but, you know, I also wanted to add one thing. I lost my son, my own last son, my own son last year. And, um, so I decided to dedicate the sanctuary to him because I feel that, you know, I feel that power of transformation, like anything really negative can be transformed because I've seen it in many places from, you know, all over the world. And I decided to do the same thing. I'm like, I'm not going to be taken over by grief because grief yes you have to go through it but it doesn't have to last forever especially you have the power to transform it and so I decided to dedicate it to him and yes he's not here in the physical anymore but I feel him in the work that I do 
and it's it's powerful it's just so powerful you know what's interesting laura uh, and again we've spoken to a number of number of people uh on the podcast and um uh certainly i've spoken to people who run charities where the good work they've done um has come f- from a, a sort of <laughs> adversity in their life and a and a and a situation where on the surface could make you upset or angry or annoyed and they've turned it into something really positive so what do you think that takes because not everybody can do that what do you think that takes um well i i don't know if you know the the five stages of grief um by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Okay. So her colleague, um, I can't remember his name, but he's the authority on grief. He He asked her family if he could add the sixth point, which is finding meaning so the first the the first five points are about you know going through the shock going through the anger going through all these and then there's the final one is acceptance okay and that's the fifth point he came up with the sixth point which is meaning finding meaning through adversity and i think that's really interesting yeah and that's where i'm at because i see that you know nothing lasts forever in the physical but i think that if we look at it like from a standpoint of loving action compassion in action we can all do something you know it doesn't have to be anything huge it doesn't have it doesn't take opening a sanctuary or working with an orphanage but it takes you know opening your eyes speaking up for what you think is right and um and really be there, you know, it doesn't need to be big. Anybody can do it. And you have to start from where you are. You don't have to start big, something, but just do something because, yeah. I feel that the world is at a point where we all need to do something. And it doesn't need to be ginormous or you know, nothing extravagant or, but depending on your own means, you know, if you if you're able to do, you know, something that is meaningful, do it by yeah. all means. And don't wait because there's no specific perfect moment. Just do it. Just make yeah, up your mind exactly. and do it. Just do one positive thing. If you do yeah. one tiny positive thing every day, and we all yeah. did that, yeah. essentially the world could be a different place, couldn't it? Yeah, and then it's a domino effect because, oh, yeah. you know, oh, I, uh, you know, she did that, that, I can do this, you know, and then. Yeah, exactly. But that, but that goes back to your point, doesn't it? That, that, that importance of telling stories um, right. and, and sharing the fact that there are people out there doing positive stuff. That's uh, part of the reason it's so important. I know, I know my positive action for today is going to be asking Raz to turn the website yellow. Is that, is that, is that right, Russ? He's still not answering, Laura. He's still not answering. Um, he doesn't uh, what, want to answer that one. What, um, so you've told me, told me a couple of stories about the, the work you've done. Certainly the one about the uh, gentleman who, who qualified for college and now he's, he's got a trade and a profession is amazing. Tell me yeah. one more story that best describes the work you do. Well, I think that, uh, let's see, 
um, I worked, when I worked with Mama John, Mama John was the person who um, founded the orphanage in Kenya. That was an incredible story because she started with absolutely no money. And she was living in Nairobi at the time. And I think it was um, maybe 20 years ago or 25 years ago. I, I have to go back and look at the date, but... Um, so she was living in Nairobi at the time, and she was living near the slums in Nairobi, which I believe are the biggest in Africa, something like 1.5 million people live there in appalling conditions. And so she had a small house and she decided to start adopting uh, one child from the slums and then another one and then another one. And then soon enough, she realized that she needed to do something bigger. And so, um, because it was overwhelming for her too. Um, not only because she didn't have the money to do it, but because she had all this empathy like I do. And so she started asking, you know, tourists and foreigners and local authorities if they could sponsor her to create a home for these kids. And then, you know, soon enough, she had this building that, you know, she raised the money to build the structure that eventually would hold the, the what we call an orphanage when it's really a children's home and um and uh you know little by little she ended up adopting yeah. more than 130 of them and i met with her the, you know the only time i met with her i was two and a half years ago and she was an amazing person she said never ever ever um in, you know doubt what you uh, what you're doing, if it comes out of love, if you're a loving person and you're determined to make it happen, it'll happen yeah. and just have faith. Well, she was very religious. I'm not a religious person, but it's, I believe in us in spirit. I believe in something. I believe in being guided and it, it worked. And, so, I, yeah, it's, and little by little, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's that, it's that, you know what? I don't, I don't think it matters whether, because I'm not religious either. And I'm not, weirdly, I'm not particularly spiritual, but I believe that regardless of where those good intentions come from, right. Making a positive change in the world is the important thing. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. And again, you don't have to start big. You start from where you are. Yeah. And we're all, we, we've all pressed the pause button right now. So we have more time to really think and be with ourselves and really say, hey, what is important? What is not important anymore? Where do I want to make a change? And um, obviously, there's no opportunities or, or many opportunities to travel at this point in, in time, but we can still do a lot. We can, you know, create a fundraiser or we can, you know, go on Kiva, for instance, which is a lending platform. We can sponsor a child through yeah. Plan USA or want any, any of these. I mean, I've been working with them for a long time. So, but, you know, there's so many opportunities. You can, you know, you can volunteer at a local shelter. You can volunteer with elderly people. There's so many different things you can do, but it's mainly about creating relationships, um, you know, to build a relationship with yourself and to build a relationship with another human being or another suffering creature that you know needs you someone who needs you I, thought, I, it, it, yeah. I, t I tell you what's interesting though, Laura I mean I think you're right yeah, and we spoke a little bit before about um, organizations who do good struggling during 2020 because of, of what's going on and that's certainly true but 
what I've also noticed is um, COVID also sort of highlighting the people's uh, how kind people can be. You know, in in the UK, we uh, we uh, there was there was sort of hundreds of thousands of people who volunteered for to to be a volunteer to help the elderly, and we went out and clapped every Thursday for the key workers. And That's you know, it's it's interesting how not only you know certainly it's been disruptive for a lot of organisations, but yeah. also it's as you said it's been a bit of a time to reset and reflect this period, yeah. hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's um, it's uh, again, it's a reflection on who you are, on your values, on uh, you know, on your life. You know, it's kind of like you can review your life and see, hey, what do I need to change from now on? What do I want to keep from one from now on? And it's um, it's interesting because I think it's almost like a much needed period. Um, I know it's destructive in a lot of ways, but it's also constructive yeah, yeah, um, in other ways. Um, and it, it, you, we kind of have to look at the silver lining there. In, yeah. And, um, one one thing I've, I wanted to talk to you about. What is the talk to me a little bit about what the future looks like, both for your work and uh, your your sort of charity work, but also for the sanctuary. So the sanctuary is mainly, is something that we set up mainly to spread the awareness of what is going on um, with, the, you know, the popula- overpopulation of stray animals, how people treat animals and um, how, you know, uh, you know, Mainly, it's about animal welfare, but it's also about um, creating, um, we want to create an educational center, uh, which is already, um, which has already been approved by Global Giving, which is the largest uh, fundraising platform in the world, um, to bring in, uh, to create an interaction between children and animals. Because, you know, it's um, it's really important to educate children and really, you know, because it, it all stems from them. So, and then we want to create, uh, recreate the values of the past. So we want to create courses where people will be able to, for instance, work on the loom or how to make pasta, how to make cheese, how to make, you know, you know, work in the field, you know, creating your organic cultivation, uh, your organic, um, for instance, piece of land, you know, we have all sorts of different things that we want to do, but it's mainly, it's mainly based on educating and, um, and we'll also have a petting farm, which we're building right now. And um, it's all about in uh, having children interact with the animals, but also um, having, you know, just spreading the awareness mainly, not just here locally, but, you know, we want to become a model for other places where they have the same issues. Um, and again, the proceeds from all of our initiatives will go towards the sterilization of the millions of, I mean, I'm saying millions of And so it sounds like a, a very ambitious project, but we've, we've already done a lot of work despite COVID this year. So we're... But, but it's, as, it's as you say, it's all 
incremental steps, isn't it? Moving towards that that big goal. It sounds sounds amazing, and uh, I think when I make my trip to Sicily, I'm I'm going to need to make sure that we come and see you. Absolutely, um, yeah. Tell, tell, tell us some, tell us a little bit about where our audience can find out a bit more about you. Okay, so we are okay. Our we have. Well, I have the uh, sanctuaries website, which is Rifugio Isola del Sole. It means Refuge Island of the Sun, um, because Sicily is called the Island of the Sun. Um, But it's um, Rifugio, R-I-F-U-G-I-O, I-S-O-L-A-D-E-L-S-O-L-E.com. So RifugioIsolaDelSole.com or my author website, which is LauraFormentini.com. And can I just say what a handsome website it is? I don't know if I've mentioned that already. It's really, it's really nice for us. Are you listening for us? You know what? I think he's going to make himself a cup of tea, Laura, because he's just... I'm listening. (laughs) And I'm not impressed. He's here. He's here. What are your thoughts about turning the website yellow, Russ? (laughs) Why don't I put a couple of baits on the logo and see if you notice? (laughs) (laughs) See, Laura, that's my positive change for the day. That's my small incremental step. There we go. Yeah, it's um, it, you know, again, it's it's an area where there's a lot, a uh, lot of beauty, lots of UNESCO sites. Um, the beaches are phenomenal. Uh, we're at the southernmost portion of not just Sicily but Italy, so we're very, very yes. south. And um, so you know, you're the, you're the football at the end of the boot. When I was when I was at school, you, learning geography, that's how I remember. Is that right? Sicily's like the 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 sort of football at the end, isn't it? Well, see, you have the boot, you have the heel, but we're not there. We're it's almost like the heel. I mean, the boot is kicking two stones, and then yes. it, it's the first stone <laughs> that's Sicily. And uh, what's the we're, other stone? What's the other island? The other island is Sardinia, Sardinia. Sardinia, right, okay. Yeah. So, but it's very, uh, it's, again, it's the southernmost portion, and, you know, if you can take, you know, the coast of Africa is on the other side, so we're, that's where we are, and it's, um, you know, the weather's beautiful, and the winters are super mild, and so, again, you know, we had one rainy day yesterday, but up until the day before yesterday, it was, like, super sunny, and, you know, we were out in, uh, you know, in our T-shirts and shorts. And Thanks, Laura. In. I really need that in cold Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome to come and visit anytime. We'd thank love you. To. Yes. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's thank been an you. absolute pleasure talking to you um and hearing about your amazing work um uh, i'm sure that when the world opens up again um we'll we'll make a little trip over there and i'd certainly encourage all our listeners to take a look at laura's work thank you so much guys and um hopefully the weather will be nice for you again <laughs> <laughs> thanks Laura. right that was brilliant right thank you, Bye, there, mate. Thank you. But to the end now. It's the end, the end of another podcast. podcast. But the end, truly the end. Because the end is always the beginning of something. Now, is this a reader's digest joke of the week? Okay. So we can expect um, a certain standard. Are you not making up your own joke this week? Well, the last one sort of came to me on the fly. Um, and I don't know if it's motorform or recording, but I had a little chuckle to myself right when I came up to it. You haven't uh, got a joke up. about Bagleton Cymru? 
No. 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 Unless you can think of a bagel and curry joke from the driver. I was not doing bagels and curry joke. Go on then. Just remind you, it's a podcast and we're recording live. Yep. So, what? what's the joke? One time, <laughs> uh, my father came home and found me in front of a roaring fire. That made my father very mad, as we didn't have a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite good. On that note, ladies and gents, have a lovely day. And Bye. we'll see you on the Kindness Project soon. Have a nice Bye. day. Have a nice day. Bye. <laughs>